Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of the UX Support Group. My name is Christopher Charles Fernandez, and today I am joined by Danny Satawan, the founder of the UX Support Group, and Jim, who is someone seeking to enter the UX field. Uh, the episode today is going to be continuing on uh, the topic of how does someone get into the UX field, um, and uh, we have someone who is actually doing that right now. Uh, his name is Jim, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hey guys doing? My name is Jim. I'm looking to break into UX. I've got a background in broadcast. I was in that field for about 10 years as a video editor, and I've also got a background in computer science. So there's a lot that I think I can bring to the table and to a UX project. Sweet. So, uh, Jim, before we were, we were talking about um, if there was any burning questions that you had about getting into the industry, and you had mentioned some really interesting things, uh, talking about, like, how do I uh, paint myself um, to, to fit in within the industry? How do I utilize my strengths that I already have so that I can almost come into the industry sideways instead of starting from the ground up? Um, yeah, if you could just explore a little more into that, um, and what are your pain points? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, what I want to know is UX is such a new field, and it seems I meet a lot of people who are transplants from other industries, from psychology, from education, from graphic design. And what I want to know is if somebody is coming in who has is not somebody necessarily fresh out of college, per se, um, in their early 20s, but maybe somebody who's in their, th their 30s, mid-30s, or even their 40s, has a particular skill set or background. How can we best utilize and position ourselves to be an attractive candidate for breaking into the UX field? So this way, we can show that we have relevant experience, even if we don't necessarily have UX experience on paper. Yeah. And by no UX experience on paper, that means you haven't taken any like intro courses, you haven't uh, done any like general assemblies or any, I don't know, YouTube videos online of like how to get into UX. I think what Jim meant is the experience in terms of working experience. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I actually did take an intro to UX course that was a whole semester long. And I also spent several months working with my UX teacher uh, on some pet projects, some independent projects, and just putting to get, getting my portfolio together, some case studies. And now, you know, I'm on the job hunt. I'm going networking and continuing to do my own research, continuing to uh, listen to podcasts or watch uh, videos on YouTube and talk to other industry veterans. So it's a very lucrative field. So we're all vying for a piece of this very sweet pie that is uh, what seems to be, be a very rewarding and meaningful career. But we want to also try to best show what we bring to the table. Because I believe in myself. I believe that what I have to bring is very valuable, very attractive to a company, to a project. But how can I get through that? How can I get convey that? How do you uh, make them see? Yes. That? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when it comes to your portfolio, do you have any of your other work in terms of like broadcasting uh, on your portfolio, or is your portfolio mainly tailored towards being a product designer? Because we were talking about that in our last episode, where it's like, 
you know, you can't say you're a product designer, but when, you know, a hiring manager goes to your portfolio, they start seeing other types of work. Like, if, for instance, if you're a graphic designer and you have logos and branding and yeah, that stuff's all cool. But then that second guesses them is like, hey, does this what are you? Yeah. Like, does this person really mm-hmm. want to be a product designer or UX designer? Or, or are they just like transitioning and don't really know? Um, yeah. So on my portfolio, one of the things I did was try to convey in very plain, simple terms what it is I'm looking for and what kind of work I'm trying to get and the fact that I'm available. I speak to my background in my bio, and I offer a link to my broadcast uh, portfolio um, on a separate part. And one of the things I did was utilize my knowledge of cameras and audio and video in one of my case studies saying here's a video of me presenting this to stakeholders awesome. and trying to show that i add a industry level a veteran level of polish that i think amateur you wouldn't get with an amateur or somebody who doesn't know video. yeah i think that's a good example of leveraging what you have the skill that you have yeah. to show that you add value Right? Because as a UX designer, we talked about this offline before, one of the main things that we have to do is actually influence stakeholders. That is a lot right. of times something that is not taught in like the, the boot camps and the mediums yeah. and all these. Yeah. You, you don't have the skills unless you actually practice it. And, and in most cases, these stakeholders are more senior than yourself. Uh-huh. Right. Right. So being able to use this level of polish, like to demonstrate that is actually very, very important. Yeah. And that might even help you, you know, take one step above being an entry level uh, UX designers. A lot of entry level UX designers I know are just they're task driven, like they come onto a team and they usually have a senior or a VP of product above them who is mainly focusing on that stakeholder interaction uh, right. and, you know, setting up the product roadmap and just making sure all the dots are, you know, dotted and all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Um, so that may even help you, you know, just jump that entry level to begin with then and be able to start with something where you're coming in and you're more of a mid-level because you already have, you know, experience talking to stakeholders and get, driving across ideas and getting people on board. Yeah. Um, so what is, what would you say is your biggest problem within this job hunt? Or not biggest problem, the biggest challenge? Um, is it getting feedback from people? Like, where are you finding trouble? I think as with any job search, there is often when, if you're just talking about the online, you know, Glassdoor and Indeed, and then some of the more niche ones like AngelList, or you're, you don't know, necessarily know why you weren't selected, right? So there's that void of, yeah. I sent it, I did everything I could, and now I just need to keep going. But I can't tell where, so what I have to often do is send my portfolio out to people in the few people I have met at meetups and handing out my business cards say hey can you take a look at my portfolio and just shoot me straight you know does it work do, do you get do you get a sense of who I am do you get a sense of how I think do you get a sense of how I solve problems yeah um, I sort of just provided a solution to my own question but <laughs> there is there is the, just that anxiety of like w- what is it like I think what I want is 
a reality versus expectation too. What am I up against? What is my competition like? Yeah. And is there room for, um, is there is there still room for guys like me? And wh- how do I position myself best? Uh, what additional things can I do besides just the online job searching? Um, if I go to a meetup, I don't play the the role of hey, are you hiring? Are you hiring? Are you hiring? I d- you try to play it more cool, but w- yeah, what else can I do? What practical steps can I be taking? And what emotional support or I should say kind of you know mental support can I keep giving myself in this process? Because it, it is a trying process. It's, yeah. You're watching bills come in, you know, you're watching and you want to see what can I do in the meantime and to keep myself motivated, you know, if there was a job I really wanted and I didn't hear back from them, you know, how to not take it personally. Yeah. So uh, you said something interesting, which was like expectations versus reality. And ideally, who are you, are you going up against when you're, you know, applying for these jobs? Um, that said, I, a question to you is, do you know what specific field of UX you, that you want to be in? Do you want to be within UX research? Do you want to be doing, you know, more like UI design? Uh, Do you want to be building style guides and design systems? Or, you know, do you want to be discovering problems and talking to users and sharing empathy? Um, I I think in knowing that, it helps you better, I guess, prepare yourself and prepare your portfolio to to find that job. Because oftentimes the problem I even run into is like, oh, I like to do it all. But I always say that, hey, my strength comes from visual design because I have a graphic design background um, and that I'm seeking to, you know, move forward and and flex my UX research muscles and, you know, get more experience within that field. Um, But my portfolio pretty much says and puts me as, hey, I'm a guy that knows how to create design systems. I know how to create high fidelity designs at a very fast pace. um, And I can make you, I can make something really quickly that makes you say ooh and ah. Um, okay. Um, I would like to add something here to address the question of how do you keep yourself from getting discouraged as yeah. you go through this process? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, at the end of the day, a job uh, search is a sales activity. Right. Okay. So in it's a plug for Renata's workshop. Actually, that's coming up for Portfolio Work 101, I think it's called. We, might, we may need to rebrand that. <laughs> but in that, in that workshop, she talks about conversion funnel. Hmm. Okay. So essentially what you're doing is that you're going through this conversion funnel with the conversion event of getting the offer. Right. So if you know this, then it's just a numbers game, right? Right. You try this, what is the conversion from point A to point B, for example, from applying to getting a response? Then mm-hmm. you worry about that only, as opposed to worrying about, oh, how are I going to interview, negotiation? Don't worry about it yet. You're not right. there yet. Yeah. Right? So first, deal with that conversion. Knowing that takes this uh, process out of the personal realm, meaning that it's not about evaluating you. Because I can tell you from the other end, as a hiring manager, I hire a few people already in my career, a lot of things can happen. Yeah. Right? You're not getting an answer maybe because there is a strict HR policy not to give feedback. Right. Because they don't want to get sued. Yeah. So that's one. Another one, maybe the position is no longer available. 
Right. For many reasons. One, because they found somebody. Or maybe they're in negotiation with that person. Yeah. Or maybe they decided to put it on hold. Right. Because there's an internal reorg. So a lot of things can happen. Right. Yeah. Right. So the problem is that from the other end, from your end, you don't hear anything. Yeah. Right. So you're like, is it me? Is it me? And then in this case, because the product is yourself, a lot of times you'll be like, it's got to be me. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Right. Right. Especially for a lot of people who are entering the field, there is this imposter syndrome. Like, Yes. Maybe because I'm not good enough that they don't respond to me. Or maybe because I don't... Maybe, 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 maybe. You don't know. Yeah. Right? So, essentially, create that funnel. Uh, again, check out the the workshop by Renata. She's going to teach you how to do this. So, you know which part of this journey that you need to work on. Right. What is it that you need to do? Is it... like There's like this person. Actually, I was one of them when I was looking for a job back in the day. I tend to just work on my portfolio all the time. Yeah. Because that's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. But actually, I was getting interviews. Okay. But I was improving my portfolio. Right. Because that's, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm comfortable with. And then in my mind, I'm justifying it by saying that, oh, maybe I failed the interview because during the interview, I didn't show enough of my portfolio that could help me. There's maybe some truth to that. Yeah. But the fact that I was getting interviews mean that the portfolio was good enough. Yeah. Right, so that thinking, like a lot of people, just oh, okay, what do I need to improve? No, you don't need to improve anything on the portfolio. You need to improve on this other thing. Yeah, I don't know if that was helpful. Hopefully, yeah. No, yeah. that's something I ran into as well. I mean, when I just uh, when my last job ended up the way it happened, um, I originally just went straight on the job hunt, and I, I it kind of took me a while to start because I felt like the need, like oh, I have to update my portfolio. I have to like update it with all these new projects that I have and all this new experience that I have. But I found that just updating my resume and my cover letter and adding the verbal, like my verbal experience through there was enough um, mm-hmm. because my portfolio was already getting me in the door. Okay. People were already like sending me like messages on AngelList saying, hey, we're interested in you. You know, we'd like to talk and learn more. Okay. Um, and oftentimes, you know, in these interviews, I'm just talking about my past experiences and how I'm planning to take all these methods that I've learned um, and instill them wherever I go. Um, You know, a big thing for me has been just I'm looking for a a transparent environment. Um, Transparency is big on me. And this leads me also to another question that I got the other day from someone who's in a similar position to you, coming from psychology, which is different, but she's seeking to enter in the UX field. And she was asking me, like, oh, like, I'm a little afraid. Like, I don't know if I feel like an imposter. I don't know if I'm ready for this. But also, like, she thought the job just seemed very intimidating. And she was just asking me, like, oh, like, what is, like, the average work-life balance of a product designer or a UX designer? It seems like they're always busy. It seems like they're always stressed out. And my response to her was, it's all about where you work. Like, uh, it's, it's at the end of the day, I mean, if you love what you do, you that won't happen but yeah. oftentimes you could work in a place that doesn't value what we do um yeah it's a company uh, culture at the end of the day yeah okay that was one of the questions i had is since it seems like startups are most likely where a lot of people can cut their teeth you know mm-hmm. assuming we don't luck out and get to work you know one of my um the students from my intro class she just had a killer portfolio killer design shops and she got this great because 
great internship at Grubhub as a re- UX researcher, and then she they just onboarded her. You know, so that's like the Cinderella story, right? right. And for the rest of us, like we're, you know, trying like. I always made the metaphor of like trying to get the last chopper out of Saigon, you know, like what, like the helicopter's going up and we're all like, please, you know, um, that's what getting a gig in a full-time video editing gig was like often. Um, what can we, no, I think I just lost track of what my question was going to be. What can we expect with startups with, um, can I, I was asking Danny, is a lot of it really just brutal, you know, because what my one experience I had uh, doing a development internship in a startup was quite brutal. This was a guy who would call me every night after 11 or 12 o'clock, leave 50 messages on my phone after I got out of class. Wow. And he's like, well, I'm just trying to get you there quickly, you know, but it was, we also just weren't getting along very well. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of questions I have. It's like, can we expect that that kind of thing you know and the reason is is because in and if we're ha- if we're struggling does that mean we just lack the passion so i don't think if you're struggling it means you lack the passion um oftentimes startups are just trying to move at a faster pace than they should be um going based off of assumptions and yeah. you know us as product designers is to reel that back in and you know okay. validate these assumptions so that we're taking the right gambles and moving forward with design decisions uh but startups a lot of times they're they're on a tight deadline you know you have to go in there knowing how much have they been funded do they have a product design team already in place if yeah. not those are some flags that are letting you know like all right I'm coming into a position where they're expecting me to do it all and they're expecting me to do it all yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, just look out for those things uh, in terms of... What are are some red flags, I would say? Going to their Glassdoor and seeing uh, what their company culture is like. Um, For me, I've often went to Glassdoor and they allow you to search... uh, for reviews based on position and going on to their design team and seeing how these designers who leave either leave bad feedback or good feedback. Um, and some bad feedback could be like, hey, stakeholders aren't listening. And, you know, everyone is just in the room talking to talk and meetings upon meetings where nothing is getting done. Um, just there's a lot of things that you could be looking out for. Um, but the things that you want to find in a place are transparency. I mean, I had a, a dream interview the other day with a company, I, I won't say the name, but uh, in talking with him, you could just tell off the back that it was super transparent and that he they valued what like UX designers did uh, for a living. Um, he was super transparent with me. He, we talked about, you know, uh, benefits and pay in the first conversation. Uh, he, is it a he startup? Walked, uh, I guess it is a startup, but it's a profitable startup. So they're 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 making money already, um, but you know, being they're making so it's not money, not early stage, startup. not early stage startup. I would say it's a mid stage startup, but you know, they have they're still small. They have twenty five people. Yeah. Um, you know, twelve of which are in house. Um, so it's it just said a lot when he like had this conversation with me and just walked me through just the interview process and what I could expect. Like, it's an intro call. Then we're going to have a second call where me and you talk a little bit more about your process and we're going to record that if you, you know, if that's okay. Um, and then the next one was just coming in and meeting the rest of the team. Um, and then I'm still waiting for feedback now, but I like that everything was just so easy. Like, 
there was no design challenge. They didn't believe in design challenges. Um, that leads me to another question is just, I'm interested in what you think about it, Danny. I was, someone had posted on LinkedIn the other day talking about design challenges and how they're a waste of time. Um, for me, I have a mixed bag in terms of opinions on design challenges. Um, what, why did that person think it's a waste of time? It's a waste of time when you ask someone to like create a whole new product in five hours. <laughs> um, okay. Or, you know, especially... Waste of whose time? Waste of the product designer's time. The candidate's Wait, time. The candidate's time. Like, you know, he was almost saying like, know your worth and like these people just don't uh, recognize what you do and the skill that it takes to do what you do. So he was just like, steer clear and don't do any free work. And in our last podcast... Wait, wait, that's a different conversation, though. Is it a free work thing that they're asking you to do? In situations where it's like doing a design challenge where it's specific to the company and you're solving a problem that they're actively trying to solve, Mm -hmm. he he was like, yeah, in, in that case, it's free work. And it's like, how do you know when to take that upon and like go forward with it? And what if you do do it and it's like... You know, it's it's good, but it's not exactly what they wanted. But then, a uh, month. So, down what's the, the downside line, of doing that? For him, it, it, and I, I was asking the same question, but like, I don't see the downside in it. But for him, it was like you're being wasting exploited. time and being exploited, essentially. But at the same time, you got a new portfolio piece they can use. True. Do you? I always thought there's a big. There's NDAs. I guess that's a whole nother podcast yeah. with portfolio. Well, oftentimes, I mean, they'll, they'll ask you to sign an NDA before something. But I know that a lot of startups go about doing that exact thing where it's like they want to get as much free work as possible. I've heard some dark tactics where they just reach out to people and say, hey, like we want you to do a design challenge. Like they'll do the interview process. But I would err on the side of trusting people and doing it which would give you the opportunity of maybe getting a job that yeah. you want to give you the, maybe, you know, give you the learning opportunities there. As opposed to being skeptical and cynical about these kind of things and say that uh, this is all just trying to exploit me, trying to exploit, no, 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 no. I think you're hurting yourself if yeah. you have that kind of mindset in general. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, I have one question. Can we make that same distinction with, in the photography field, I've heard a lot of guys who are starting out or trying to cut their teeth will often, or what they'll do, even experienced people will say, I can't pay you anything, but this will be really great exposure for you. Is there a right balance of that, or is, is that always a yes, always a no? Well, the question really is, how do you monetize that exposure? Can you monetize it? Yeah. Yeah. In some instances, you could argue, you yeah. know, if Brad no, no, Pitt, no, 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 not arguing. Can you see a clear path of monetizing it? Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. You could, you could say in your, you could, you could think. If you see it, for the, the exposure is very, very high. Like, I mean, if this is going to get featured on, I don't know, like People Weekly yeah. or something like that. That's yeah. like, that's great exposure, even if it's not compensated. Yeah. yeah no, no, I'm talking about the in UX field. Yeah. Right. In the UX field, the. the uh, I guess monetizing it would be exactly what you were saying, which is putting it in your portfolio and actually utilizing it and saying, yeah. hey, I solved the problem on a really tight deadline for this design challenge. Um, I mean, even if you did sign an NDA, right, and you couldn't use their proprietary information, in five hours, there's no way you could have gotten all those proprietary information anyways. 
yeah. right? It was more five hours more of your time. So you got some ideas. You, it could apply to the industry for like even different industries, maybe mm-hmm. the product. Yeah. So you don't even have to use their brand for that. Yeah, right. I've actually done that before. And I took in a design it? challenge and I rebranded it, and it was completely different to the company that it was for. Um, but I just took it upon. I was you like, hey, work. I, I did. I gave myself this design challenge. Yeah. Um, and I, I went about, you know, the same way I solved it while I was there. Um, so that was something I did as well. There will always be shady people trying to exploit you. Yeah. Right? But then the question is then if sometimes it's okay, quote unquote, to be exploited, to exploit it. Ex- <laughs> exploit it. Ex- not okay to be exploited. Exploit it. <laughs> as long as you gain something out of it. For example, going back to your startup question. Most likely when you work for a startup early stage, even like mid-stage startup, you're going to work more than if you work for a co- corporation, like a bigger corporations. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I don't know which one is worse, working for a startup and working your ass off, working crazy hours, or working nine to five and not learning anything and not yeah. progressing in your career. Right. Ten years later, you're still doing the exact same thing. It's very comfortable. Yeah. So which one is it? Yeah. And I think you said something important, Danny, which is like, uh, and it was along the lines of like, what you put out there is what you get back. Like if you just go into it with a positive mindset, I think it it, it ripples forward and somewhere, somehow that, that positivity is going to come back to you. Whether you don't get the job or not, uh, you know, he might talk to someone who's looking for someone who's exactly like you. And you might get a reference the next day. It was like, hey, like, I heard you applied for this position. You know, uh, I know it wasn't a good fit there. But luckily, you know, we have a head of design here who's seeking to have someone under him Mm -hmm. that has the strengths that you have um, in talking to stakeholders and presenting and doing all these things. So I I think that uh, it goes a long way, staying positive and just giving back. It's something that I've done. I mean, I've, I've went to jobs, not gotten the job, and then... Uh, I winded up not getting a job because uh, the manager who was seeking to hire me winded up quitting his job there. So every time I went on an interview and people came back to me and kept saying, hey, we're looking for someone a little more senior, I would always put his name in the hat, just being good and putting it forward. I really wanted to work with the guy. Turns out he winded up getting a job offer from someone that I recommended. Next thing you know, um, long story short, I mean, he wanted up having dinner with me one day, gave me like 500 bucks for, for the referral. And then he also started referring me on his end. Um, and then I winded up getting, you know, an offer through that way. So um, it, yeah, it all there, connects. There's a, a very important principle here in life, which is opportunities always come through relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The big ones, the good mm-hmm. ones. Because uh, no one's going to refer somebody they don't know, right? Yeah. And then those are the kind of jobs that you want. Right. So in order to do that, you need to start creating this loop that Chris just talked about. Right. And in order to do that, you need to have the mindset of giving and mindset of, like, trusting people. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, if you you let yourself go into that negative uh, area, yeah. which, like, a lot of us can easily go to, especially after going through, like, uh, difficult times for a little while, looking for a job, applying, 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 and no one seems to care or to reply even. Yeah. That can easily put you in the negative position, uh, negative mindset. Don't let yourself go there. Right. Because like another principle that's very, very important is that you capture value after you give value. Mm-hmm. Right. 
this is like very evident in the SaaS world. Envision give you free trial, <laughs> yeah. free yeah. one, right? And then you they give you value first, and then you're like, oh, I see the value. Then you're willing to pay. Right. That's Everyone almost with Google. every product. Everything Everyone. you're saying is, is yeah. and that's why I mean that's why I love doing you know UX design because it when you provide a product to someone and you, you practice that nature of giving and you're giving someone that you're giving something that's amazing, yeah. you just come back. Well, you design it to be amazing. Yeah, you design <laughs> it to be amazing, yeah. and you kind of. So how can you use the same thinking? To solve your problem, design thinking essentially to solve right. your own problem, right? Problem of getting this conversion, which is the yeah. job. Yeah. Now that you make you objectify this, this is no longer about like you as the product. It's just oh, they don't like me. At the end of the day, no businesses care about any individual. They just care about we have a need. We need somebody who can do the job. We don't want to handhold this person. We want to pay this person this much to deliver this much value. Mm-hmm. Right. It's never about us, about Chris, about Jim, about Danny. It's never about individual. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Should job seekers, whether they are fresh out of undergrad, grad, general assembly, should they actually, if they don't have any UX design, you know, official professional UX design gigs or experience, should they look be looking at internships as well? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it gets you in the door and and close to where you want to be. Right. Now, this kind of goes back. Yeah. This is where I backpedal (laughs) and say that you need to be trusting, but at the same time, not to be stupid. Right. If you know there's this company that always uses intern to produce real work and there's no mentorship, then don't go there. Right. right. Basically, they just want free labor. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's always a caveat. <laughs> there's there's yeah. that. That said, if like um, what Chris said, if some if that gets you in the door, give them that free trial if you of what you can offer. Yeah. With the understanding that that free trial can convert into a paying customer, essentially, an offer for a paid job. Yeah. Then sure, do it. Or you can use it somehow. For example, you got an internship. Offer at Google, take it. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Even if it's free, take it, right? Yeah. Because then you can use it. Yeah. So that's the question. Going back to your photography and exposure thing, can you monetize it? Mm-hmm. If you got Google in your resume and your portfolio, can you monetize that? Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Right. So it goes back to that. Now, m- normally my recommendation is not to go the internship route, but to go the freelance route. Okay. Why Even if that? it's free. Even well, if you're doing it for free, it look uh, one because it looks better on paper. That's or? one. It shows initiative, I guess, because you yeah. you're actively seeking you're actively seeking work instead of and number two to an internship that's seeking you. You're starting to actually embrace that role as a professional. Ah, okay. Not as an understudy apprentice, right? You are a UX designer. It just so happened that you give yourself the employment opportunity. Yeah. yeah not somebody else, as in, like, uh, an enterprise full-time. Yeah. And it allows you to just uh, almost move forward and start to ask for positions where you can then start to get paid a lot faster, whereas if you're in an internship asking to get paid, it's kind of like, uh, you you know, this is part of the contract internship, go six months, we'll, we'll make a decision after that, whereas if you are choosing to go about the freelance route, you kind of set the pace based on, you know, the amount of 
benefit that you're giving a company and how much you feel you're worth, then you can start to like, you know what, guys, like I'm going to pick up another client. I'm going to start charging them this amount. I'll charge you, you know, a, a cheaper amount because I met you guys first. But, you know, I need to start paying the bills like I can obviously see I'm doing good work for you and we have a good relationship here. So that's yeah. a really key point there is for you, not even for them, for you to see yourself as somebody who provides value and deserve to get paid. Yeah. That's what professional means, by the way. If somebody's willing to give you money to do a certain thing, that means you're a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any more questions, Jim? Any questions about like tools? The tools thing feels very. This this feels like an opportunity for me to ask the very high level questions. Yeah. So to speak. What frustrates you? Anything else frustrates you about this whole process? Yeah. The um, well, I talked about. The not knowing, I guess the, yeah, it's maybe just to follow up on what we were just discussing, how do I, what is the right attitude to have with regard to how I see myself? I, I am the kind of person who is also very cautious and tries to have a very realistic view um, and be in touch with my limitations. So I might, you know, if I, I, I would never want to step, if I, if I am, it's my first week at a Taekwondo school, I would not want to step into the ring of somebody who's a third degree black belt. Yeah. You know, and just say, well, I've got a positive attitude. I'll bet <laughs> you I can do this, you know, and, and I just get, you know, roundhoused out of the ring. So having a realistic view of myself and what I can do. Now, I don't think I'm the person who's in his first week. Maybe I'm somewhere, what am I? Maybe I'm the yellow or the green, not quite the, not quite the purple, not quite the brown belt, you know, in terms of the, how that spectrum works. Yeah. How do I have a, an honest view? How do I balance having an honest view of myself, what I can and can't do, making sure I'm not selling myself short when it comes to looking at opportunities? It, when I see ads that say we want two to three years experience do i throw my do i spend an hour trying to craft the perfect cover letter to throw my name in that hat or do i move on and be like no that's probably not going to yeah there's, there's the two parts of me that are saying no don't sell yourself short jim the other one's like nah, don't waste your time on this one they're yeah. not going to look at you yeah all right that's 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 a, that's a tough question i i i was going through the same thing as well when it in terms like oftentimes you'll see like a an application where it's like, oh, like, we're looking for a unicorn. We're looking for someone that does research, designs, and develops. Like, we're looking for someone that does it all. And oftentimes I'd be, like, afraid to even want to apply for those jobs. Mm -hmm. But I think, Danny, you said something earlier where it's like, don't be afraid to take that leap. And, and what's the worst that could happen? Like, if anything, if you don't feel comfortable with it, you know, you get the offer first. Then the power's in, you know. The ball's in your court. The ball's court. in your yeah. court. Like, so here's an interesting Thing, I'm going to ask you a question. Put yourself in the position of the hiring manager who, who is looking for somebody to help you, right? How do you create the job profile? What's the, the best way to create a job profile for you? How would well, you go I'm, about that? I'm going to ask the departments what they're looking for. for they don't know. You're the hiring manager. What do you need? 
well, I'm I'm gonna look, I'm gonna need the I'm gonna have the requirements. We need somebody who has experience mm-hmm. with this with the, these particular softwares, who has mm-hmm. experience with this kind of research. Sure. Um, who has a background? Maybe if we're a company that does mobile apps for elderly people, somebody who has you know experience in those certain spheres. That what if you don't know? This is something that is fairly new to you, also. Imagine your creative director has been with the company for a while, and then now your boss says that uh, you know we just did the digital transformation, digital transformation, and now this UX thing is something that your department needs to do. You're looking for a UX designer. Mm-hmm. How would you go about creating that job profile? I would talk. Do I talk to other UX? Oh, I would, well, I would probably look at what other UX. Uh, listings are right. Right. Where would you go? Glassdoor. Glassdoor, Indeed. Indeed, LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what's happening. So essentially, people just copy one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. The scenario that I described is quite is is becoming less and less common, but it's still quite common. People who have been in the industry for a while, coming from different angles, they inherited this UX function. They need to hire a UX designer. They don't know to how to write the job profile, so they just copy and paste mm-hmm. from okay. other job profiles. Okay. Right? Based on that knowledge, would you apply or not? I don't know, because there's another part of it where maybe their eyes are scanning the cover letter, mm-hmm. and they're looking to see, does this person have at least one year of experience? Yeah. And if they see, they don't see that, they're, sure. they're clicking to the next, they're swiping, what is it, swiping right? I don't use Twitter, sure. so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so what, how does that hurt you? doesn't hurt, I mean, other than just maybe a little time lost, you know. Yeah. Pre- maybe, uh, maybe you know, I lose one latte crafting the perfect cover letter. Yeah. Sure. Um, so is it worth it or not? It depends, I guess. Yeah, so that's based on your, how yeah. you value your time. Yeah. My, normally, what I say is that knowing that a lot of people don't even know what they want in the job profile, they just copy and paste. Yeah. Apply anyways. If you get the reply, that means that you qualify. Yeah. They think you qualify. Right. If not, you just wasted that latte, and it's probably worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my view on this. Yeah. For me, when it comes to the whole uh, cover letter thing, um, uh, are you creating custom cover letters for every one that you're applying to? I only go about doing that when I find a job that I am truly interested in. Like, this is a product that I use on a daily basis, or it's a company that I'm really interested in, and I'll craft a cover letter. More often than not, though, I just have a custom letter that is a quick about me, a summary of the things that I've done, and I kind of, you know, for lack of better words, I just spam it Um, for the other ones that are just like, eh, I do need a job, but... You know, we'll see what comes Some back. Some of the listeners mm-hmm. might realize that you just spam them. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's a spammy, from, yeah. spammy cover letter from Chris Fernandez. So yeah. What I have is a... But I'm sure they can get that from when they read it, too. <laughs> I'm not really hiding it in the fact... It's not like a cover letter where I, like, input, like, company name here. There's no company name within my cover letter. It's just and about And you me. send it forgetting to change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's asking had, for trouble. I got that before. Yeah, <laughs> that is much. asking for trouble. Yeah, um, no. My spam letter is just about me. <laughs> um, so part of my skill set is writing. I, it, it comes up much more naturally to me. 
And I'm able to come up with these things. Um, I've read a really good book on how to write more concise, more readable sentences for the web, and it, it's changed how I do everything, how I compose emails, how I compose texts, and how to make writing that is people want to read. And Basically, people don't read. What's that? Basically, people don't read anymore. Is that what it is? To a degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least when they see a big wall of text, they Forget skim. It. They don't read. They skim. They scan keywords. They scan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How to? So I. But what I do is I have a boilerplate. I look at the ad of what they're specifically looking for, and I'll, I'll pull and say, you know, delivering pixel perfect prototypes. This, you know, yeah. are some of my key strengths. You know, and then I'll shift some of the words around, you know, and I'll try to borrow some of their language. Yeah, that's so a at really least, good skill, actually. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm at least showing the HR person is I took the time to go over your ad. Yep. And I'm not sending you what really does look like a copy and pasted. Yeah. Um, sales smart. pitch. That's a smart uh, technique. Might have to start taking that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, guys, uh, I guess that comes to the conclusion of this episode. Um, Again, my name is Christopher Charles Fernandez. I'd like to thank both Jim and Danny uh, for just being with me today. Um, it, I hope you guys got some uh, good, juicy insight. I know I did, and I'm definitely going to be taking some things moving forward uh, in my job search. Um, again, you guys can find us on uh, meetup.com slash UX support group. We have numerous events coming up. Um, this episode was being released on Friday, January 25th, so uh, we have events coming up on Monday, January 28th, which is one of our normal events, the UX Support Group Roundtable. Uh, it's an event where you go to get your questions uh, answered if you're just a UX designer seeking answers. Um, and then we have a usability clinic uh, coming up Wednesday, January 30th at 6 p.m., uh, which is at a WeWork located in the city. Uh, and if you can't make it to the roundtable on Monday, we're having a virtual UX roundtable on Thursday, uh, January 31st at 8 p.m. Uh, for all of you guys who are, you know, commuting and get out of work a little late, maybe we would make that one. Um, and lastly, we have a uh, almost like a, a lunch and learn where we make new UX friends. Uh, Friday, February 1st at 1 p.m. Um, it's located uh, in the city at a place called The Globe. Um, we also have a Slack channel there. Um, I'm going to be sending out a survey later on, uh, just gathering feedback from you guys in terms of what we could be doing better, but more so what questions do you guys have, uh, whether it be you know, you're in the UX field seeking to get to that next level or you're seeking to enter the UX field similar to Jim. And also, just a, a quick shout out and plug for uh, Jim. Uh, he's actively on the job hunt. And if anyone out there is listening and you're actively hiring for a UX designer or UX researcher, uh, please reach out to him. Um, his website is jamesb.design. Again, that is jamesb.design. Uh, tell him, you know, we sent you. <laughs> um, Thanks again, guys, and hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye. P.S. If you suck around...
I know I say uh, a lot, and uh, <laughs> I even I'm even saying it now. It's gonna be something that I'm gonna have to fix moving forward. Um, nobody's perfect, and we're just gonna have to get better as we move on. <laughs> Thank you guys for your time. Um, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.